All right, here we are again. What, are we slapper casting one more time? Yeah, I'm Woo. afraid so. So several people have asked us who our influences are. Good question. And I'm trying to think where to even start. Well, you know, the very beginning is, I'll tell you where you started. I'll tell you what lit your fire, and you tell me if I'm wrong. Mm. But I think it was the Stop Making Sense movie that started your... Not started. I think it was the Beatles that actually kicked you in the face, but it was the... Uh, yeah. I think it was the... To- the Talking heads that maybe... The Beatles were like my comfort food when I was growing up, and they still are. You ate them? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, in a sense, if you think of music as food, I do. It's just like sustenance in a way. I, I need it in my diet. Yeah, Beatles, that was something I was introduced to from my, my parents, my, my mom mainly. I think, I think my taste in music began with my mom because she was the one of my two parents who actually listened to music on a regular basis. Um, and my dad never really was into music, as as it were. Slacker. I mean, I mean, he. I know that when he was a teenager and when he was in college, he used to buy jazz records and stuff like that. But uh, my mom was into all kinds of stuff that were, was going on at the time. And uh, but they had a copy of Sgt. Pepper. They had a copy of Rubber Soul. They were both big fans of Stevie Wonder when I was growing up. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel, all that type of stuff. Earth, Wind and Fire, Blood, Sweat and Tears. Uh, Slayer, yeah, but the Beatles were, were were the band that I really connected with, and that's I mean true of most kids. They're just really easy to to uh, to warm up to, uh, no matter what age you are. But the, yeah, Talking Heads. When I went to go see the concert film, Stop Making Sense, when I was sixteen, that's that's what made me think. Yes, I want to be a musician. I want to be in a band. Yeah, that makes sense because Judy, your wonderful mother, is still uh, music. Yeah. Out. I mean, just, just absolutely, you know, constantly going to concerts, constantly going to festivals, constantly just, and of course, then you're turning around to new stuff also. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and her, me as well now. Yeah. She, yeah. She's way, yeah. Well, she, she goes to see more shows than I do. Of course, most of the time, you know, the, the one, the one unfortunate side effect of, of being in a band that plays as often as we do is that I, I don't get to see a lot of shows, and most of the time when I'm when I'm off, I I don't. The last thing I want to do is go to another loud bar, you know. But most of the really good concerts that come through town, unfortunately, uh, are on nights when we're playing, and that's okay. That's an. I mean, that, that's an, that's a trade off I willfully made many years ago. But um, yeah, my dad. It's not like my dad didn't appreciate music. He he did. He really. I, he had a lot of fun when I would I would play stuff for him, and I would because I, I remember introducing him to Talking Heads and. David Bowie and Peter Gabriel and all the stuff I was listening to when I was a teenager. And he, uh, he, he, he always enjoyed it, but he would never just listen to it on his own. You know, it was just, just wasn't music. Wasn't a, uh, wasn't a fixture of his, of his, uh, of his lifestyle. Like it is for my mom. Yeah, that's, uh, I can verify all that. That's not a, definitely not a lie. I remember seeing the smile on your dad's face at the place that's closed now. It was called the, uh, called the Wankers Inn or something. I forget. Is um, Stag's Head? Stag's Head. Same yeah. Thing. And, uh, but I remember seeing the big smile on his face when you and Davey were performing, Davey Bryan. Who, which Davy Bryan is that? Yeah, the world famous Davy Bryan. He's in uh, West Palm Beach right now, and Davy always makes it into these conversations because he's been, <laughs> he's been such a, he's been su- such a good friend and a you know great musician. But I do remember seeing the smile on your dad's face. Well, that's uh, one of the very few times I met your dad, uh, Mister Mister Richard Smalley. Yes, that was a fantastic night. So um, I do recall you and Davy sounded really good together. So influences. 
again, very similar uh, situation in my house in that my mother, very similar to Chad, my mother listened to all the rock and roll stuff and she was into, she was, she was into, she, she actually got to see Elvis. She was actually only a few rows back. I saw the Polaroids from that. She's, she's, she's been to see so many shows and she's still, she's in Dublin right now and she's, she goes to shows every week if she can, sometimes two or three times a week. She's, she loves jazz. She loves, still loves rock. She, her, I think her favorite rock musician would probably be Bruce Springsteen. And, but yeah, so she turned me on to the rock and roll side where my dad would listen to Wolf Tones and um, being born in the north of Ireland, he, he liked a lot of the, the rebel music. Can you remember like some of the records? Did you did you pilfer records from your parents' collection when you were young? Uh, oh yeah, like before you bought your own records. Like yeah, no, I didn't. Yeah, I didn't. Um, oh, what was it? The, the I, I still remember the cover of the Wolf Tones LP, the Rifles of the IRA. I remember looking at them because they dressed up in the trench yeah. trench coats when the they had the guns and the man. I tore that album to shreds. I mean, I just listened to that thing. So, and my mother reminds me often how the only time to get me sh- to shut up is uh, actually I probably shouldn't mention that now. <laughs> People would pay money for that, but uh, she the only time as a baby she could get me to you know keep quiet was to put music on, and um, uh, yeah, but the, but I, I remember wearing that record out, and I remember the the Clancy we had Clancy Brothers records and Dubliners, and but you know when you listen to the radio too, we, we you know we had the popular music from the states and Europe and stuff and. I listen to, and I, okay, so and I come from a large family too. So with five sisters and two brothers, you're going to get a lot of different tastes and you're going to get a lot of different uh, sounds coming through that house. Yeah. But we certainly did. And um, so we listened to, and we traveled a lot as, a, as, as children. My dad was big, big, big on travel. So, you know, we visited the States, you know, a lot. We went through Europe a bunch of times. And, and so on those trips, we'd, we, had a, we had a Volkswagen minivan, camper van, and uh, we had six, seven, eight kids in the van at one time and going through Europe, we got to see so much and there's always music playing. And uh, so, so we got to listen to, that's where I, 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 I didn't, I would never admit it, but we listened to ABBA, loved it. Listened to Carpenters, loved them. Listened to Beatles, and so there's a lot of stuff that I wouldn't admit to because you know you 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 try to you try to acquire a cool gene, and then you try to to uh, to flex that cool gene or to expand it and whatnot. And uh, I, I never had it, but the, the listening to that stuff, listening to the melodies, the harmonies, the beats, the time changes, the key changes, stuff like that, all was implanted in me because now. I just can't sit in a three chord song and let that go. There has to be something yeah. silly that happens or something unforeseen or some beeline. There has to be a, there has to be a, a you know, there has to be some color, it has to be some, some kind of fire in it. Yeah. We're also constantly knocking music off of its pedestal too. You know what I mean? That we don't know we don't take anything very too seriously. Oh yeah. You know what yeah, I mean? Absolutely. It's like nothing is sacred really, which, but I wonder, I wonder where that comes from too. That, just that, uh, the sort of humor, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, the and the, and the, the, the we, thing about it is, we 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 uh, we did a uh, an interview recently with uh, some people in College Station, Texas, just outside Houston. We spoke about how you can take your your music seriously, and you're gonna you probably will attract that serious audience. We try not to take anything too seriously too long. You could pay it some attention, and you know, always pay it res- with respect. It doesn't matter if you're if you're making fun of you know whomever but 
you have to keep, I, I have to keep it tongue in cheek. I have to keep it very, very lighthearted because we're not writing about current political temperature or we're not take you know, or we're trying to be that band that will, you can put your feet up or jump around or have a laugh or just have a drink and have a, you know, we're having fun and hopefully it's, it's coming out in the, you know, in the performance. Then, you know, as influences go, when I heard Queen on the radio first time, um, I remember being very confused at this beautiful voice and this heavy instrumentation underneath it. And that was just such a nice blend of, because, you know, the Beatles had these beautiful harmonies and these great rocking jams underneath it, you know, these songs with such such uh, movement and such. But then Queen had, it was different. It was not just beautifully recorded vocals and heavy 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 back you know tracked backup vocals of course i didn't know what it was i just knew that there's just a magnificent voices coming through with this powerful electric heavy music underneath it and again i'm over you know in the very very dark corner listening to the early iron maiden and black sabbath and uh still enjoying the the country's you know johnny cash and the that early stuff too but uh, queen reminded me that you could have everything you could absolutely have everything yeah. and then and then then when you see freddie mercury you know you're you're i, I was struck first at this didn't look like paul diano from iron maiden or it didn't look like ozzy you know in black sabbath it didn't look this guy was completely off the wall he had that elvis thing going to where he could wear a cape who doesn't want to wear a cape right uh he could wear spandex uh you keep those but he could do whatever he wanted to and you you know, you don't have to like it, but there's a really high, you know, I mean, if you're into melody and you're into to groove and you're into performance, you can't go far wrong with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I remember, I remember hearing uh, around the time that uh, We Will Rock You and uh, We Are The Champions came out, which was like sort of a double single or like yeah. they were always played side by side. I think it's the first two tracks off that record. But it would always be whenever those songs were playing the radio, there would always be both of them. You wouldn't hear one without yeah. the other. And it was played all the time. And my mother, again, <laughs> would always have a, a rock station turned on when we were driving. There was a lot of driving going on when I was a kid. This is when I, we lived out in the suburbs of Houston. And uh, I'm going to say 76, 77, when this was on the radio a lot. And uh, so there, there was this long commute because both my parents worked at Rice University at the time. And then they would drop me off at this uh, uh, daycare place right near where I live now, actually. So there was this long 30-minute commute, you know, getting, getting to school in the morning or getting to my daycare in the morning and then coming home at night, just constantly listening to the radio. So I, got, I listened to a lot of uh, all that stuff back then. Yeah. Um, then there was, there was other bands like, you know, of course, Bowie. and Bowie, I don't recall getting into deep cuts i you know i heard the stuff on the radio liked it wasn't wasn't blown away uh, bowie got me later on with the, the the way he did his lyrics just just incredible and then that again key changes and stuff like that was just earth shattering for me now mm-hmm. you sit down with an acoustic guitar and you play one of those songs you're like wait a minute what 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 are you doing you know and then you, you figure out where when it's just completely natural in the in the you know bird's eye view of the song but when you're in it it's something to be behold so <laughs> So, so I do recall 
the the state, the, the look of David Bowie. And I recall seeing Freddie Mercury and then I recalled other bands. I remember Slade and stuff like that. See, the, the nice thing about, uh, I'm sorry, you, you, you're getting the, you're on the business end of my coffee high right now. So early, early Iron Maiden and Sabbath and Motorhead, that kind of stuff. Those guys were just doing their thing and they were just going forward. They didn't care who liked it, who didn't like it. They're just doing what they're doing and they're going. And that's what I admired about that. And I knew that I knew that, that was going to be something that was that was going to to stick with me. I just I still listen to it today. It's it's just and I do recall too a large family of mine, I recall most of them saying, Ah, it's a phase, you're gonna be over us in about a week. <laughs> and uh never, 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 never waned. Did not did not go through a second of of questioning that stuff so anyway i digress so those guys are over there the, all the metal bands are over there and they're doing their thing and they're just plowing straight ahead and 95 percent, 98 percent of them didn't get airplay so you're talking about grassroots you're talking about and again no internet not even myspace <gasps> yeah not even MySpace. The, so these guys are, are doing it by touring by constantly touring and i remember fast forwarding to the mid 80s i remember iron maiden doing something like 310 shows a year. And this is not a show where you show up and you play for an hour. These are two and a half, you know, sometimes three hour shows. And I remember looking at the tour schedule, just drooling over that saying, that's what I want to do. I want to be in a different city doing it. And so we talk, I, I talked about uh, Freddie, David Bowie, uh, Slade, these kind of glamorous slash drag slash pompous looking frontmen. Well, then you got, that, you know, that, then you've got your, your metal guys. They didn't care. Oh, obviously, they cared what they looked like, but they, you know, they, they weren't. They were just doing their thing and just going straight forward. And then, but but the people on the radio seemed to be vying for this spotlight of who's the most makeup or who's the most flamboyant or who's the most out there. And I don't know if they were competing with themselves. I mean, Elton John had his thing going, and but there was just this this massive blooming of of these these outfits and stage shows and just. So that's, again, I was hit hard by all this stuff. I loved it. Absolutely loved it. Still love it. And the thing that, the, the thing that drags me back to all these bands is not only, not only the power in the music, but the melody. You can sing the melody to every Iron Maiden song. Yeah. That, you, that, they can, that, that, that just blows me away. You can't do that with a lot of metal bands. You can't do, and then true. the twin guitars, Thin Lizzy, Iron Maiden, you know, uh, the beautiful, the melodies, just in these harmony melodies and that's the power behind it. And the, like I said, the power is just, it's, it's insane. It's a lot of really, really intense, but still, you can still dig into the melodies and still w without having to give up any power or any yeah. intensity. Yeah. I wonder that's, that's true for, for, for the early Sabbath stuff as well. It's just really catchy uh, hooks. And I'm not as much of a student of metal as you and Mike are, so I don't really know. I I, I would say that you're right. That does that does seem some some of that has been lost over the decades. Yeah. Well, I tell my son, who my son's into the stuff that sounds like uh, somebody trying to you know cut down a high rise building with a chainsaw. He, uh, it's the, the the beats are about 358 <laughs> beats per minute. It's just, I mean, just crazy stuff. But I try to explain to him that. Then um, I tried to explain. I just told him that it seemed like with the birth of thrash metal and speed metal and death metal and blah, 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 all these different genres, which if you if you don't like heavy stuff, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to differentiate between any of them. But 
it seemed like these other bands, because I remember hearing Venom for the first time, which was the first time I really heard a thrash metal band. And, you know, of course, that <laughs> growing up in a, in a church-heavy country like Ireland, uh, Venom were completely frowned upon, completely blacklisted. It's just, But hearing that, it was so fast and it was so loud and it was so the, the shrieking that the vocals were just absolutely piercing. You, in order now to be a metal band, you had to either compete with Sabbath and Maiden and Motorhead, all these people that had their, they had their craft down. They, they knew what they were doing and they were not going to be budged. You know, they were not going to be moved from their, from their path. Well, thrash metal, death metal, all the speed metal, all this stuff came along and these people were just so, they were so fast, they were so loud. You had to do something more to now get attention, to get in that spot. Right. So there's always been great bands that have come behind, you know, and been wonderful and lasted a minute or lasted, you know, even a long time. But in order to get these, in, in order to get your slot, in order to get your piece of, you know, your footing in the music business at that time, you had to do something even more shocking, more, you know, intense, faster than the guys before you. So it really became yeah. just this massive, you know, the Norwegian death metal is something to behold. You just right. w- look for some of the stuff on YouTube and just just have a good time. It, it's insane. It's, it's, it's just so blistering, so, so intense. And I guess there are some bands. I mean, System of a Down is probably an exception to the way things have been moving. Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I, metal is such a it's such a different. It's I think it's a terrible label, but it's it's worldwide, and you, you just you know everybody knows what you're talking about. Because they're they're one of those bands that will go back and forth in the same song, and then go straight into this really gorgeous melodic. Yes you know, rich harmonies and everything. But uh, yeah, and, and, and I was taken by their, the, by their intensity and again, by their, their gears being able to switch in and out of these songs. And, and again, not for notoriety, it's because that's where the song took them. And I, I love that. I love yeah. that, you know. Um, for a while though, uh, just side note, there was a year, I can't remember which year this was, but there was a time during our late night drives back home from Austin when pretty much all we were listening to was System of a Down. We just went back and forth between those two CDs. It was just a way to keep us awake. Yeah. And it was that music, if you're listening to it, you have to stay awake. There's yeah. no way to fall asleep listening to that band. Yeah, I've forgotten about them. It's been a long time. Yeah, since. it's that was a long time ago, but yeah. Yeah. That was the uh, the music of the hour. Yeah, and I, again, it makes it sound like that's uh, that's all I listen to, which Mm-mm. which which I, I'm going to say that those days, those that those early radio days and uh, friends that I grew up with, you know, um, Barry Dunphy and Dominic Walsh and Neil Moran and uh, John Redmond and stuff like we used to we used to listen to the the music. Uh, these records in uh, Dominic's uh, basement or in uh, Barry's house back when I lived in Dublin in Ireland, and uh, we would listen to these different these these new records. And it, it's a side note too. When I took my kids to uh, to Dublin and I took them to the 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 rock cellar, which is a, a sound cellar, excuse me, sound cellar in Dublin, and I took them to show them to where we used to go to uh, not only hang, you know, not only you know, hang out. But I mean, the, uh, Tommy, I think he still owns it. He was there last time and uh, my, the kids couldn't believe it when he said hello to me and uh, remembered me from when I was a child. But um, they, uh, and that's all they want to do is they all, they just want to go back and hang out at the sound cellar in Dublin. Um, but cool. th- that that's where we saw the posters for the bands that were coming in. And he also, he, he did a, just an amazing job in bringing the records to, now remember, these bands never got airplay. So 
if you want to know about who the who who the new band is or what band's coming to your town, you know, you had to have somebody like that who had that needle in their arm with the metal, you know, mm-hmm. you know, pulse of the of the music scene. And he did it. He he did it for like I say, he was there. I think it was about five years ago now that I w- that we were back with. Uh, I took the kids back, and he was still there, and the the shop was still there, and it's just a. Where? It's just it's on the foot of Grafton Street. So oh. uh, right as you cross, if you're going from Trinity College across. Uh, towards Grafton Street, there's a little travel agent there, and he's just go down the stairs and you find the sound cellar. It's just a brilliant little shop. So yeah, just a phenomenal, a phenomenal experience. And uh, and he, I don't think he swept the floor since since uh, since I ever went in there. But it was just just an incredible place to go down there and just see the he, LPs. He still has cassette tapes. He still has patches and bullet belts and just all the stuff. You know, it's just it, that 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 shop froze in time, and it was wonderful to go back. So. Um, like I said, it, it, it makes it sound like I'm listening to nothing but metal and whatnot. However, like I said, growing up in a big family, you do get to hear a lot of different genres. And so I remember, I remember with a big, big, big stereo um, in, the, in the sitting room and there's a bunch of records in there. Everybody had the records in there. And mine just, if you want to stay alive, do not touch my records. Don't touch her <laughs> records. Don't touch their records. But I remember having Michael Jackson off the wall laid out Van Halen, wow, two laid out. Uh, I, I, I'm I'm seeing this, uh, an, um, Iron Maiden live after death, the double album, and uh, Joe Jackson. Uh, <laughs> that and the says man. a lot. That, yeah, that whole collection. Yeah, but I remember, I remember this one day in particular, and kind of going back and forth, and the, the Michael Jackson record, absolutely. Just for, just a side note too. Don't anybody let my band watch. Uh, leaving Neverland because uh, they think this is completely normal stuff. Okay, thank you. Um, but I remember, I remember listening to that record and just thinking, "That's not that." There's no man that sounds like that. Mm-hmm. And, and completely giving it to the Bee Gees. I love the Bee Gees. Never admitted it um, back then, but yeah, nobody yeah, but, did. <laughs> but that was that. Yeah, that, exactly. In the late seventies. Yeah, but that was that was cool. okay. That, that it was okay for the Bee Gees to sound like that. But Michael Jackson had that voice, and then to put those beats together, I mean, it was, it was, it was, I'm still baffled at how that stuff came about, mm-hmm. because not just these just amazing drum beats, amazing melodies, and then that voice over it, I said, well, that, that's not human. Yeah, I had that record too. Obviously, Thriller was the big the big uh, breakthrough hit. Yeah, I wasn't I wasn't um, I was over here for that. But I did. I I always I, um, I was already into because my parents had the Jackson Five record, um, which I was I really enjoyed, and that had stuff like uh, uh, Reflections and uh, had some really good soul on that record. There was, there was this really there's a song called uh, Hum Along and Dance on that record. Sing us a bit, Chad. <laughs> it, it's the groove on that is is. Is just so great, and and uh, it's actually I think it's one of those tracks that gets sampled a lot now. Anyway, but I, I loved that record when I was a kid. I used to play it all the time, and uh, the the soul and the funk on that record did definitely dug into me. But when I got a little older and started realizing, oh, I can go and I can actually there's more records I can you can buy at the store, and so I wanted to hear more of this band, and so we went to the record store. And by this point, Jackson Five had become the Jacksons. There were no Jackson 5 records available at this particular record store we went to. So my mom said, hey, you want to get this one? I said, okay. So I, I had whatever those records were, Triumph and Victory. I can't remember. Not Victory, but Triumph. I can't remember the one before that was. So then naturally when Off the Wall came out, I was like, well, I'm going to get this too. And yeah, that that um, I, I, I still don't. I did get Thriller when it came out too. Everybody was into that record when, I, when that came out when I was 13, I think. 
but I still, it's that first off the wall is really the only Michael Jackson record that I think I st- that has stuck with me this whole time. Such great stuff on there. Yeah, I, now I didn't own any of these records except the Iron Maiden uh, Live After Death, which one of, um, I, I, I do recall, like I said a second ago, you don't touch anybody's records. You're not allowed, you're not allowed to touch them. Even if you ask permission and you get permission, still don't touch them. That was the thing. You just don't touch anybody's records. So um, I broke the law on that one because my sister Maureen owned the Van Halen record. I don't know who Michael Jackson was. I think she also owned the Joe Jackson I think she. I think so. Was it? Was it? Uh, Look sharp. Yes. Okay. No, it wasn't. Look sharp. So I'm the man. That's what it was. It was the one with the the, the overcoat with the watches. Uh, and it was actually Anthrax that got me back into Joe Jackson when I when they covered right. at, when they covered time, which is off the Look Sharp. Yeah. Record. Um. Uh. But anyway, so I had these records out and I was listening to them. However, fast forward a few years, um, the stereo was now downstairs in the dining room, big big house, and the stereo's down here. And I remember coming home from school one day, walking down uh, Strand Road, and I heard Iron Maiden's Lost for Words coming pretty loud, and I'm 99% sure it was my house. Because I know our neighbors were in a coma for, uh, for many years, and I know that uh, that was the only house around. And I, as I approached the house, Lost for Words was getting louder and louder and louder. So I grew angrier, and angrier and angrier. And as I got towards the door, I was read, just kicked the door in and went to, who's listening to my record? My mother was the only one in the house. And I said, what are you doing? She goes, this is a great song. She had Lost for Words by Iron Maiden blaring. And I mean blaring. And I said, I said you know what? I said, I'm, I'm going to let this one slide. I wrote her up, but I, I let it slide. You know what's funny is that that's the, that's the track that you... You played because you early on you're saying, hey, "Listen to this, check this out." Lost for the words is the song that that hooked me into Iron Maiden. That was like, okay, now I get it because I had heard them before. I mean, I most of these bands, obviously, I knew who Black Sabbath was, I knew who Iron Maiden was, um, but I'd never really given them much. Uh, much I hadn't really paid much attention to them. It just wasn't something I was into. But well, the reason why I showed you Lost for Words is just hold that thought, but because that's how I wanted to do Irish Rover. That's how I wanted. That's the anyway. The, that, 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 the I wanna, baseline? Yeah, that, 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 whole, that whole idea of that song. That's, you, how, that's how I wanted to do Irish Rover originally. Irish, uh, really? Oh, yeah. okay. But unfortunately, we didn't have a guitar player that could hack it. But anyway, sorry. I, <laughs> I, um, yeah, but listening to that, I was like, because I, I had heard, really all I knew of Iron Maiden was I'd heard um, uh, Flight of Icarus uh, on MTV. And, you know, it just I just wasn't ready for it at the time I heard it. Uh, I think I think the main thing that that threw me through me was uh, the you know the operatic style of of, uh, of Bruce Dickinson's vocals was was something I just was not acclimated to at the time. But when um, when Patrick played me Lost for Words, and this is while we're driving to Austin one day, I think I recognized because I haven't mentioned this before, but when I was a teenager, uh, I was really into. I still really love uh, early Genesis. And listen to the guitars and the, just the way that the whole, that whole Lost Forge is structured is very much like something off of one of those early records like Selling England by the Pound or, or Foxtrot. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, this sounds like Genesis. Like, hang on. And I was lit, started paying more attention to what the, the bass and listening really closely to how Steve Harris was writing his parts and stuff. And I was like, 
I like this guy, <laughs> you know? And I come to find out not too long after that, like, that Steve Harris was a huge early Genesis fan. Still is. And yeah, and uh, that's when I was like, okay, that, that was my end. It's like, I, now I understand where he's coming from. And I went back and listened to all those records. And I love that stuff now. But what's funny is I'm not, Iron Maiden definitely evolved out of prog rock in a way, but they're not prog. And I'm not really a prog fan in general. I have a lot of friends who are way into that stuff. Uh, you know, all the all the Rush and the Yes and Emerson, Lake, and Palmer and the early King Crimson stuff, any King, King, King Crimson Twisted stuff. Twisted Sister, yeah. Twisted Sister, right? <laughs> Really the only prog rock band I ever really loved was was the early Genesis stuff, um, when Gabriel was the lead singer in the band. And, and, and Steve Harris has said in an interview, I posted this on my Facebook not too long ago. He says, yeah, they were never the same after he left the band. I was like, I re- no, I love that guy. So, yeah, that, I still, and the Lost Words is an amazing track. Yeah, so, so you know, the, the, the influences, God, I mean, it's just, as you can tell by the meandering today, it's, it's, it's endless. It's just absolutely endless. If you listen to any, any kind of music that moves you, part of its DNA is going to, you know, attach itself to yours. I, 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 I firmly believe. I mean, I still, I still write guitar riffs that are inspired by drummers that I listen to or vocalists' styles that I like. Or you know, but but most importantly, it's what the rhythm section is doing that's going to inspire um, a, you know a, a certain riff, or it's going it, it, to, or it's going to mold, it's going to shape the, the way the riff hits the hits the record or hits the vocal line or whatever. It's just, to, to me, it's amazing that I'll write something and let it sit for a long, 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 long time, come back to it and say, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember what I was listening to when I, or, or what spawned that idea, I remember. Yeah. It's very, very infectious, very, very, uh, uh, it, it, it will embed itself in you, you know, if you're, if you're moved by by this stuff and of course this music like i say the stuff i listened to as a child i still listen to today and i I said there's not there's very very few bands that i no 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 i i I don't like them very much you know there's 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 something kind of redeeming you know you can find something redeeming you know as long as it's not you know like like i said the 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 poser stuff the you know i I get i get constant flack for this i i never liked kiss never never liked anything did i anything about them and to me that was a dollar sign being you know, flaunted world. I, I just, I, I just never saw any depth in it. And I was talking to a friend of mine who we've spoke about before, Patrick Brennan, local, uh, incredible uh, Houston musician. I was telling him about the, uh, we, we, it was funny. We had the exact same experience. I was given free tickets to go see Kiss at the summit in Houston, Texas, in whatever the, re- whatever the, the first, oh yeah, yeah, we'll come back and do makeup this time dollar sign and i went to see that show and i really good seats it was uh, uh i was on the stage right side of the show it was about eye level so i'm looking straight across the stage and uh, gene simmons is on my side paul stanley is in the middle and i think it was bruce kulik on the left i forget who the drummer was but it looked like and i'm being generous here but it looked like four old ladies were trying to escape uh, a nursing home while under the influence of Ambien, <laughs> alcohol, uh, Alzheimer's, uh, it was hysterical. It was absolutely hysterical. I lasted a song and a half, and that's 
just because I, I, I had to make sure I hadn't so soiled myself. It was just horrific. The music was terrible. The, they weren't close to being in time. The pyrotechnics were, is like somebody spilled a box of matches. And it was just, just I, I cannot tell you how horrific it was. Well, so I, I leave. And then Patrick Brennan, uh, he, he gave me this exact, exact same story. He, he got free tickets. and No, actually, no. I, I, no. He bought tickets. Yes, Patrick Brennan bought tickets. Somebody write that down. Patrick Brennan bought <laughs> tickets to see them, and he he didn't last very long. He just couldn't believe. And again, I I I, I know what it is. I, again, I'm being completely harsh, and I you know I I, I know why people like them. I, I know why they were they were you know so big. But I just couldn't see. I I, I just all as I could see was a dollar sign and. To, to me, that's the band. Of course, I'm saying that you know poser bands don't last. Those guys are still yeah. But uh, two two reasons. Two, I can think of two reasons why I don't like them. And I'm sorry for if any Kiss fans listening right now, just just bear with me here. When I, when I was a kid, back back when Kiss was huge, this was in the, when I was living in the, again living in the suburbs of Houston in the late '70s, mid to late '70s. When those records were coming out, that's all my friends were talking about, and I just I didn't like it. Didn't want to have anything to do with it. And I was a staunch Beatles fan at the time. And it was, this is back, you know, all the Beatles were still alive at this point. It's crazy to think back at this time. It's, you know, John Lennon was still around. Wearing makeup. Yeah, right. Although know, he wasn't putting out any records at this time. It just like, you, you couldn't, it wouldn't be with the circle of friends that I hung out with at that age. This is when I was like, you know, seven, eight years old or something. It wasn't cool to like both bands. Like you had to choose. It's like, you, you went with Kiss. Are you still like the Beatles, you know? <laughs> and it, it was just ridiculous. So I, I've, I've resented Kiss ever since because of that stuff. And the other thing was when I was older, there's this interview clip. I, can't, I don't know where this was, but Bruce Dickinson references it in a, in a video, the Star Maiden documentary. Uh, and the, Bruce Dickinson's response to this is so beautiful. Uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Gene Simmons apparently was quoted at one point by saying that the only reason why anybody gets into music is to get chicks, is to get laid. And if anybody, anybody says otherwise is lying. And he's, <laughs> he is an idiot. And Bruce Dinkinson, his response to that, so, so on, on point and, and uh, just poetic. But it was the polar opposite. He said, yeah. he, he, he said that, he, that, no, they didn't get into band to meet women. They said that right. as, as soon as you add women, they cock it up. They completely, they completely, right? And I know where he's coming from too. You know, it's just the, the, the now again, now I'm going I'm to move a little step uh, sideways here. I'm going to go with, now again, the kiss thing, we, I escaped that. And I and I could probably hate them a lot more, but we were we were we were bypassed a lot because in Ireland we weren't that didn't cut it the Kiss thing didn't I know there was Kiss fans there but I mean just so we weren't exposed to that now let's sidestep here to to Van Halen and uh, to, you want to talk about musical influences and I, and, I, and I really I feel like I'm cheating saying this but I think the best frontman of all time and I, there, I'll explain that too uh, I think the best frontman in rock and roll period, hands down, is David Lee Roth. Why energy, stage presence, showmanship, banter, banter. Freddie Mercury is an incredible frontman. Talking in between songs, eh. Bruce Dickinson, he's, he, he's like a gerbil on cocaine, just absolutely 
Uh, and he will not let you rest. He just, everybody is involved and everybody's going to be as tired as they are after the show. That's a, however, David E. Roth is completely, he's completely his own thing. I've never seen anybody like him. I have never heard anybody like him. I've never, I've never read written lyrics one way and heard them performed another way. The same lyrics. This guy is absolute, and he's smart and he's fun. Now you might not like him. You may not like the music. He may not like his voice. He he's not very. He's not a. He's not an operatic singer. He's not doesn't care for for uh, execution of the tune in when they're when they're playing it live. But ju- that guy is just. He's just a bag of energy, and he's 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 a hundred percent original. He is David Lee Roth, and that's it. Yeah. So, and again, if you're if you're not a if you're not a a fan of that that style, because you know, Van Halen would argue that, that they can get to the metal fans. However, they're not metal. Kiss is probably about as metal as, as Bananarama or something. I mean, but Van Halen brought, as David Lee Roth said, they brought women into the, into the audience. You go to a Rush show, 99.9% male, <laughs> air drumming. And yeah, they, any prog rock, that's, yeah. Well, yes, yeah, I, that's yeah. A, yeah I, I've I've only I've only I've only been to a rush show and I, I uh, once yeah and, and just yeah I, I just I can't take the air drumming and the the <laughs> the you know that that uh, anyway I'll I'll stop right there yeah. <laughs> but, but um the the David Lee Roth frontman that that is the greatest and I'll tell you, the reason why I think I'm cheating is because I would I would love to say that David Lee Roth is my musical, you know, hero in 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 that. Uh, what I love about David Lee Roth is the aforementioned energy and the lyrics and the thing, but just the originality and absolutely where's where's because I remember I think it's the jump video. No, it wasn't the jump video. It was um, one of the videos. He had uh, pants made out of all the women's underwear that were thrown on the stage, <laughs> and uh, uh, again, just that that that's a completely unique David Lee Roth ism you know that's that's it uh it's just i just don't think david lee roth gets enough credit as being the front man and the character that he is yeah i would agree i mean and there's a couple things i'm gonna link to i've been thinking about this um there's a really good interview with david lee roth on joe rogan where he joe rogan kind of probes him on on his craft you know how he came up with all this stuff and and i i hadn't really i hadn't really thought about it that much i didn't really you know try to figure David out before, but it's really cool. You, he had a craft down. There was a, there was a method, which he mentions this in the interview. No, none of his song lyrics are about any, about cliched subjects, really. Ain't talking about love, right? Yeah. And it's true that most of, most of their songs, really, there's no sort of cliched love song. There's always some kind of weird slant on things. Yeah, they got Sammy to do that. <laughs> right, yeah, that's what, he, that's what he says in the interview. Like Sammy came in and all his songs are about love, and that's, that's one of the reasons why they lost so many fans when, when that transition occurred. Oh, so, there was the other thing I was going to say. What, what was the other? Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, this guy on, on YouTube named Rick Beato, if you're not familiar with him, if he does these great breakdowns. Uh, in his videos of of different songs of part by part he he scrutinizes every single uh instrument in the song and every every single harmony and stuff and he does a video on running with the devil uh where he he has the the tracks he isolates he plays all the guitar and the bass and harmonies and the vocals and everything and 
and and uh, that's a really good sort of uh analysis of uh david lee roth uh van halen period of what makes that stuff so powerful but anyway i'll, I'll put that link in the in the uh, show notes yeah and obviously we can tell that this is probably gonna be a two-parter a two-parter i think we are yeah we're over over an hour here yeah because i i think i think what we should what we should do and i'm saying this for we can use this or just for our mental notes is uh move into then instrumentation and yeah and that kind of stuff for because right now as it sits i think that's we, i know we've meandered enough to to take a, a lot of that crap out to mm-hmm. um but i like i like the tr- not traject trajectory but i like the path that we've taken here up until now yeah it feels like we're just getting started which i know is- <laughs> i know i think we should do it do, do a second part because i think with links and stuff like yeah that, absolutely this good. is this sh- but i think we should move into the guitars and the the you know our rhythm sections and stuff like that uh-huh. because I, I think that i mean yeah yeah so there, there would definitely be a second part <laughs> so yeah tune in tune in next week and we'll we'll continue this yeah and also just like uh like we've said before you know if you can just uh, if, if you have questions and you want to you know send them in please do also just uh, keep in touch with our our uh, our website if you're in Houston you know if you're in uh wherever you're going to be we might be you know getting close to you so uh if you like it tell your friends if you hate it tell your enemies <laughs> that's right all right bye bye thanks <laughs>